0: Mike Tennyson, who you might know better as Christmas Ape or Xmas Ape Online, is one of the founders of the Kissing Susie Culver sports blog and a former reporter and writer for the Washington Post. In October 2017, he appeared on the shitty media men list, and since then there's been a degree of quote-unquote cancellation to his writing career. We actually started this interview by talking kind of generically about standing up for your values and the like. And then later in the interview, we got into more specifics. So what I did was I killed the generic value stuff and focused on the experience of being part of the cancel culture. Then at the very end, I added a small section where Mike talks about his work as a canvasser in Virginia and describes how upper middle class white families are perceiving Biden and Sanders, simply because I thought it might be interesting to some people if they get that far. All right, let's get into it.
1: You know, working in media and getting into it when I did, I sort of had to experience, like in real time, the shift of like how making a career in media works. Like when I I graduated college in December of 2004, yeah, uh, and I went I went to journalism school and I have a degree, and that was very much like that was still like you know, internet media hadn't really become established yet. Um, so there was still very much that old guard of like you know, you go to college, you try to get a newspaper job, right? Um. And, like, that was fine. Like, I ended up working for The Washington Post. Uh, I mean, I was only an editorial aide for about two and a half years. In fact, I st- when I first couple months I worked there, I was in the mailroom.
0: Oh, um, really?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I had, like, you know, I did I, – I really, like, hustled when I was there. I got, like c- like, clips on the front of the style section and, like, business. I mean, I was in the metro department, but I was always making sure. Like, in fact, every Saturday – there was, like, they had, a, like, a Saturday night cop shift that, like, they usually rotated among, like, uh, like local news reporters. And I was such a, uh, like, eager person. I was known to be eager to, like, to do anything. Like, reporters would come, like, you know, come Friday afternoon when reporters were, like, looking for, like, to free up their Saturday night to do whatever. I would ever, I would through, like, sort of, like, po- the Post had this sort of, like, proto-slack system, like an internal messaging system. I would, I would inevitably get like, a call or, like, a message from one, like, one of the Metro reporters who was, like, assigned on Saturday, like, like, oh, say, I hear that, you know, you're a hungry guy, um, so, like, uh, like, I I was very, like, so I always ended up doing that, and I was trying to demonstrate sort of how eager I was, um, but then, like, the path from, like, editorial aid, which was, like, it's a fine job. I mean, you make like, or at least I made at the time like 36K a year, which in the DC area is not a ton of money. Um, but it's good. I mean, it's fine for when you're like, you know, in your early to mid 20s. Yeah. Uh, but like sort of the next step from that would have been getting into like a two year reporting internship. And I applied a couple times and like they would consistently turn, they turn me down every time, which was frustrating because it's like, okay, you trust me enough to do X, Y and Z and I'm doing like good stuff for your paper, but then you're not going to like lift me up to the next step. Right. And, like, and yeah, like, like that, gotta,
2: almost, that almost goes back to the loyalty thing we were talking about, or the just like, there's not really a clear, uh, arc pathway for a lot of roles, you know?
1: Absolutely. Um, and so, like, I and I, I understand the like, the Washington Post is not like a, a training hospital. Uh, I didn't necessarily have to come up that way, but because, like, when it was, like, so newspapers were like, Really, the only like not the only, but like the main sort of like career path. But because they were like shrinking at the time, I mean, they still obviously are, but like there was no internet alternative. Right. I had to, like I was just like applying to a bunch of newspaper jobs, but they're like I just you know didn't have the sort of range of experience because I was just like an editorial aide. So then like this sort of online avenue starts to emerge after I'd been in the posts uh, for a couple of years. I was just like a commenter on, you know, the sports blog Deadspin, which only like recently was like got shut down or then. And it's not shut down, but it's sort of like, <laughs> I guess, spiritually gutted in a way like all the uh, all this. It's like, you know, it's under a management that has just sort of like gutted the whole staff and turned it into this like uh, like hollow thing. But anyway, I was in like the early days of it. I was a commenter. On that, and then I met uh, like through through like you know being I guess you know in the commenting community on Deadspin, I met up with uh, like five got five strangers uh, and started this website called Kissing Susie Colbert, which was mm-hmm. a, a football satire uh, you know web uh, blog, um, which was like in its time like its heyday was actually like really popular, but we didn't make any money off of it the first entire two years that we did it even though like we had really good readership um, because just like the monetization of it, like wasn't clear. I mean, we could, we could, there are times that we probably could have like jumped on ad networks, um, but it was probably like, it it just was like, it would have been like a pittance. It just didn't even seem right. like worth the time. Uh, right. But eventually, so eventually we, uh, you know, we were hoping, uh, you know, sort of not really, I wouldn't say holding our breath, but like if we were going to make money off of it, we figured we were just going to have to get like bought up by, some like some website network and that's that's what uh what happened and it ended up being like guys who used to run the hip-hop label Raucus, which was like really and really influential uh like like indie rap label in like the late 90s early 2000s which Mm -hmm. i was actually a fan of at like during its time i was really excited I was like oh the raucous guys like want to do business with us like like (laughs) you know like i loved i loved you know sort of that like most deaf uh company flow like that era of rap yeah Uh, Yeah. So like they ended up uh, like buying us and bringing us on. Uh, And that was very that was very exciting. Um, And I ended up like so I know it's sort of a relic. It seems maybe like forever ago in sort of like the way in Internet culture now. But like this was around 2008 where this there was that big debate uh, between that sort of old guard of newspaper media and like the, the blogosphere about like, oh, these bloggers, they're just they're just anonymous cowards hiding behind their fake names
2: Yeah, mother's Um, mother's basement stuff. Yeah,
1: yeah, that that whole thing. Uh, so like that was in part, uh, why I sort of revealed myself. And uh, like I knew I was taking a risk. I mean, KSK was like a little raunchy. Um, so I figured like I'm sure the post wouldn't have been excited about it. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't convinced that they were just gonna outright like force me to retire when I did reveal myself. Uh, but that's like what ended up happening, and that's fine. Like again, like the post had made it clear that I wasn't gonna get any further with them. And, like, this, like, and them, you know, letting me go, like, led to some good opportunities. Like, it's, you know, I ended up, like, uh, you know, getting, writing a book Uh, in large part. Like, that came about in large part from the publicity I got from the posting. Because it was, like, a minor media news story for a little while, for, like, in, you know, a couple months in 2008. So, I ended up, you know, writing, a, like, a, like, I get a book published with Harper Collins, which is good. Um, but it was still like a, some amount of uncertainty, because even though KSK got bought out or got bought out by uh, like, well, like, I guess, or, like and which became this Uproxx network, um, we weren't still like collectively, like not getting paid enough individually that I could call it my full time job. So I was still sort of like it, it, you, you get into this point where it's still like there's not real security. I had to freelance at this. I had these sort of freelancing, permalancing jobs like I was a. Uh, You know, a weekend editor for Deadspin for a little while. I was a part-time editor at SB Nation. Uh, You know, I I, uh, wrote for like Yahoo, the Sporting News, like a bunch of outlets. Uh, And it wasn't until from, it wasn't until like 2012 that I took over as the full-time editor of KSK. Okay. It, It really became like my project at that point because all the guys that I started it with sort of moved on in like in one way or another if not like fully then like in sort of even like spiritually there's some who still like hung around but like it didn't really seem like their heart was still in it um so like i, I so i was basically i was the only full time person running
2: so are, was it like are we talking if i'm doing the math right you're talking about probably 7 8 years from the first ksk post to you basically having like the full-time day-to-day it was your thing is that about right
1: it was about six years yeah we started in 2006 and i took okay. over as the editor-in-chief in 2012 so yeah about okay. six years. cool um and like and that was i mean it was a good it was it was a lot of work but it was a good job for about four years i mean i was you know i was making uh like you know certainly better than the 36k i was making at the post uh and it, like there weren't there weren't there wasn't a benefits package, but it was still like you know it was consistent work and it was something that I, it was one project that I could pour myself into as opposed to like freelancing for like five or six different places where you always have to you know you have you have, you're really subject to the whims of editors uh, and you know what you know the standards of particular publications. Uh, so this was a good but like even though it was that was a good setup in that case uh, like sort of what what sort of like the prevailing media trends kind of tripped me up a little in a way, because then you started to get into like this, like how Facebook really duped a lot of uh, publications. I mean, we didn't try to pivot the video, but we very much like, very much like Uproxx's strategy was like, all right, we need shit. That's going to trend on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. So like, and like in sort of the tone and the subject matter of the, of, you know, KSK, didn't really lend itself to that, and like again, I I'm, I'm not unyielding. You know, I'm willing to work with uh, you know, work with uh with Uprock or I was willing to work with Uprocks to you know make something. Like I want, you know, I wanted to succeed. Like I understand, like I do. I I have creative integrity, but like to some extent, you have to play the game, and that like that goes back to sort of like the branding conversation. Like yeah, like there's a really disgusting extent you can go to with it, but to like, to some extent everyone has to play the game a little bit. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so I like, you know, I tried to do that as best I could, but then, you know, things started to t- deteriorate even more where like, uh, like management would start like policing, like the way we talked, like, like advertising would play too much of an influence. Like I remember they got, you know, we, um, we poked fun at like one of Bud Light's advertising campaigns uh-huh. Uh huh. And then not even in like a like a mean or malicious way, just like, haha, this is ridiculous. And like Bud Light was one of the advertisers on. Oh, uh, they, but they didn't even like compl- like complain. They're just like, we don't we don't want to offend them. And it's like, well, you're not even going to like wait for them to be upset about something. You're just going to like enforce this like preemptively. And then like there was there was a lot of little things like that in ways that like they didn't they didn't really promote us um in any kind of fair way. Um, And they would even in some cases like step on our toes with stories that like originated uh, from KSK. Like there was uh, like an incident where one of our um, our writers, a PFT commenter who's gone on to considerable success with Barstool. Yeah. uh, Yeah. So he was a writer at KSK for a couple of years before that. Um, And he got involved. I'm trying to remember the exact uh, details of like like he had like a little mini scandal that became kind of a news story around the Internet. Um, yeah, I guess it, it it doesn't really even matter exactly what all the details of it are. But, like, so Uprox ended up writing their own post about it and, like, promoting that instead of just, like, promoting, like, our content, like, where the actual site that this originated from. And when I, like, when I, I went to, like, the, the editorial sort of director of the network, I was like, hey, what's going on? You all are stepping on our toes. He said to me verbatim, he's like, oh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. What? How is this any kind of like collaborative environment? You're just like, you're not, you're actively like working against our interests and you won't have like a healthy dialogue with me.
2: So is this still like, we're talking 2012, or is this a couple of years into you being, uh, you being the main person?
1: That's probably a couple of years in. We're talking like 2014, maybe early 2015. So I ended up shutting the site down in like, uh, end of July of 2015. Um, you know, I just, you know, I just didn't feel like I was getting any support and like, they weren't, they weren't saying that they were going to shut down the site, but I feel like if I had tried to hang on a couple more years, I think it would have gone out. It would have gone out anyway. Uh, so I sort of saw the writing on the wall in a ways so I was like, all right, this isn't, yeah, you know, I don't think this is tenable on a long-term basis. Uh, so at least I, I get to go out on my own terms as opposed to just watching it sort of just like bleed out. Um, but again, so that's like, that's a risk. And like, I had no, I had no job waiting for me. You know, I was just sort of like, all right, well, I'm going to go from like a secure full time job to freelancing, which can be very volatile. Yep. Um, and, it, and like for the first year or two, uh, I, you know, I had, I was doing well enough freelancing that like, I didn't really have a significant drop in income. Um which is good, but like you know, like as the industry has consolidated and the you know the online media industry has consolidated, it's become considerably harder to do that. like sites that I was like a regular contributor for shut down. Uh, and then like you know, I had this situation where like in 2017 I ended up on the uh, the shitty media men list, like uh, which was a, an anonymous we. Uh, Assembled spreadsheet uh, of like allegations of like you know sexual misconduct. <sighs> uh,
2: 2017.
1: Yeah, I mean it, it it's really like it's really crazy that like a a, a community of journalists got behind that, and like it would have been fine if that was coupled with uh, like full investigation. But like it, like in it, in some some cases people were investigated if they were like you know full time staffers at places. Uh, but if you're in like someone like me, a freelancer that like they're just like, oh, well, no one really cares about you. You're a freelancer. So like these like horrible allegations about you that aren't true, just get to stand where everyone can see them. And of course, like that's damaging. Like, I don't know how you could claim that that didn't harm me, at least like at least like somewhat. Um, but like so that like it's really, you know, leaving that job. You know, had I, like, had I been at, like, a secure place when that happened, I might have been okay. But because I was so vulnerable as a freelancer, you know, it ended up being much worse for me than it was for a lot of other guys that were named on it. And, like, that's even not even getting into the fact that, like, it's not accurate. Um, right. So, like, yeah, so that's, you know, that's gotten me to sort of where I am now where I've had to, like, I'm basically... Like dropped out of the industry. Um, like I had like one freelancing job I kept for a little while after that, but I had already been like, um, you know, doing that before the list, um, the list materialized. And like I haven't gotten a offer to write for like no place. I had been writing before the list has offered to let me write for them. So it's very clear like it's like people are like, all right, this guy is like off limits.
0: So
2: there's but like I- a there's like a blacklist style thing going on there.
1: Yeah, I mean, essentially, like, that's what it it's, ends up being. Like, I mean, maybe you could, like, some people have tried to claim, like, no, 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 this is about protecting people. But, like, that's, and like, that the blacklist is basically what it ended up, you know, being. Even if, like, not everybody on it was ended up, like, being fully canceled because some people were in sort of more protected places than others. But that's, like, that's essentially what the function of it is.
2: Yeah. So what... um so what do you do for quote unquote, like, uh, I don't sustenance or whatever right now?
1: Um, I, you know, I have been working like three jobs for a long time. Like I had been working uh full time as a mover, um, okay. for, I mean, I, even that, I, did, I did that for a year, even before, like when I was writing for KSK before I got the full, like the full time editorship. Um, but then like, obviously when, um, you know, the freelancing stuff like kind of crashed, um. And you know this the, the, this list like was uh you know went public. Uh, I went back to doing that full time. Uh, but then that co- the company uh, shut down in October of 2018. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and you know there was some there's some fun drama with there because you know the owner was like fairly unscrupulous in his own ways. Um. But that's that's another story. Um. So since then, uh, you know, right now I work um I'm full time as a, a lead canvasser for a Progressive nonprofit here in Virginia. Okay. Uh, I work uh, part time for a dog daycare. Um, and I, I, do writing when I can now, like I had like, you know, one, um, I had one more, like one sort of permalancing place up until like not super long ago. Right. But now, so now it's just like, Oh, well, I hope I, you know, we'll hope I can get stuff where I can. Like I got, you know, when I wrote my, I wrote a piece uh, for medium a couple months ago about my experience um, with the list and sort of the fallout of it. You know, I got a little bit of, like, you know, the New York Post picked it up and paid me, like, a grand. Are they oh, like, cool. They, like, reprinted it. So, yeah, that's something. But, you know, there's not really any steady work for me right now. Um, you know, may, hopefully that will change at some point, but who knows? Like, you know, it doesn't, like, the culture is relaxing a little on some of this stuff, but I wouldn't say, like, the pendulum has swung fully back yet. I think maybe it's starting to a little bit. right you know it's hard to tell like what the dynamic will with, with some of this will be i mean with with trump still in the white house it's hard for there to be like like tons of like leaps forward um i think like not until he's gone will there be like a full reckoning of what's happened or or like even like a questioning on the left um or with like liberals like was all of this like was every person did every person who got canceled did they deserve it or like were we you know, were were the punishments proportionate or were they even right in every case? So, um, I mean, who knows? Again, like, this is all just like, no one really has an idea of how any of this is going to shake out. Uh, but I just, you know, I had to, you know, speak to my experience just for my own, like, psychological well-being. You know, I, people, you know, people who, are, who criticized me were like, oh, you're, uh, you know, you're just trying to do self-preservation. This is just all about, like, saving your career and it's like well I, I still don't have a career and like i don't think i don't i don't see how any reasonable person could like argue that i wrote this with the intention that it was going to be like you know someone was going to spring forward and be like oh okay mike here's a staff writing job like no obviously that was not going to happen and that has not happened so um yeah i mean i'm I'm glad that i've written it It's it's you know, been, a, been a big you know psychological catharsis um But, you know, whether that will actually lead to anything good is unclear.
2: Well, it crystallizes some of the uh, loyalty and conviction discussion. And I feel you on both of them. I mean, not nearly at your level, but I feel like I've lost gigs and writing shit for reasons about, like, standing up for um, different things or just, like, trying to be real about stuff. And it's it's always funny to me how, like, two-faced a lot of... I, I don't want to say it's ex- exclusively corporate, but, I, I mean, just, like, how two-faced some of those environments are where uh, they claim they want, like, uh, transparency and innovation and, like, out-of-the-box thinking and, like, different approaches to shit. But really, they just want to check the right boxes whether that's like viral facebook content or like some type of process that everybody has to adhere to like the i almost feel like when you start working for the quote-unquote the man or whatever um there's like You gotta very quickly understand that, like, almost everything you're being fed about, like, how great everything is in these all-hands meetings and, like, how fucking progressive and innovative everything – you just have to realize very quickly that it's all, like, two-faced bullshit, you know?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, like, I think the refusal for, like, a lot of these professional class outlets to, like, sort of reckon with my specific example – it's because like they're sort of trying to sweep their own abuses under the rug. In some
0: yep. ways. But,
1: yeah, I think like they're like you look at like a lot of these like corporate entities like they're like, oh, well, we didn't protect women for a long time. So we're going to let this thing go like like even if like some you know people who didn't deserve it got swept up like this is our way of like, OK, justice has been served, whether it was actually justice or not um so we're gonna let you know we're gonna let this list go we're gonna let i mean we're like these outlets didn't necessarily publish it it themselves but they publicized it um so like they're letting it be sort of like a de facto like you know justice mechanism without like necessarily saying so but like and it's in their interest they could be like okay well like that that did it well all the the abusers are gone now but of course they're not like i mean the the shitty media men list didn't catch everybody by, by any like any stretch um But, you know, everyone just has to sort of act that way. They're like, okay, well, this is progress, you know, this – and, like, in some ways it is. uh, But, like, they're not willing to reckon with, like, oh, were there bad unintended consequences.
2: Right. And I agree with that, too, is, like, some of it is a lot of, like, the reaction to – Uh, media of the moment or trends of the moment or fourth wave feminism is kind of just like a cover your ass move by companies and organizations where it's been rampant for like 50 to 60 years. Right. And they're just like, okay, well, if we kind of cancel these one to two bad actors or seem like we're on top of that, somehow that's going to make up for like five to six decades of like being generally shitty people, you know? And I feel like that's kind of like almost a late stage capitalism thing too, where people are like, oh, if we make the right PR move here, we all this other shit will be forgotten or whatever. And that's not really how it works, but that's like, top-level business thinking usually goes like that, unfortunately.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I think, like, that's why a lot of people refer to a lot of the dynamics of, uh, you know, Me Too as, like, an overcorrection in some ways.
0: Yes,
2: 100%. I would would call it an overcorrection, too, right? And I don't... I also kind of think, like, one thing that people miss in modernity and, and maybe it's just a digital form of something we've been missing for a long time but I think like people get too um, jacked up about like hashtag activism and just like oh me too is so powerful or like even over this weekend after uh, before we tape this, it's like uh, International Women's Day or whatever. People almost feel like sharing something and like contributing to the cancellation of something. It's like powerful. But what I, I, a lot of times it's not really action that like actually does anything. Like it's kind of just like, Uh, action for the sake of action. That's part one. And then part two is like, when you're doing that on social platforms, um, social platforms are dictated by algorithms. So a lot of the types of stuff you're sharing is going to like-minded people anyway, like people that have your belief structure anyway. So you're not really changing or shifting anything. I feel like that's been a flaw of, thinking over the last 10 years is like, oh, I'm like super woke and I fucking uh, do this type of stuff online and I contribute to the discussion and I'm moving things forward and I'm quote unquote fighting and like, you're not really doing any of that. You know, it's like almost as passive as like clicking like on someone's post, right? Which is maybe the most passive thing you can do right now.
1: Right. Right. And you, like, you get into – yeah, there's the aspect of, like, how engaged you are when you do this or, like, how much you're actually doing anything. But it also you have to get into, like, who's using social media. It's obviously right. it's not exclusively rich people. But you right. look at the stats of, like, who uses a, a platform like Twitter and how many people. Like, it's generally, like, sort of like a middle to upper class, uh, like, audience. So that's why, like you like, you look at stuff like Me Too – and who really has the ability to, like, out predators? It's mostly, like, these privileged, like, I mean, you look at who contributed to the shitty media men list, it's a lot of, like, middle, upper middle class, like, women who live in Brooklyn. Right,
0: right. Who are, like,
1: media professionals, right. Like, it's not, that is not available to, like, some woman who is, like, a server in a restaurant is getting right. sexually harassed by her boss.
0: Right. It's like, uh, yeah, not, it's not at these, all.
1: Right. It's, like, these very privileged media women. So, like, yeah, like, it's good that some of them can get justice, but, like, it's not a very broad, uh, like, yeah, like, yes, Me Too is getting into, but, like, that's why it's very, it's highlighted by a lot of these, like, these privileged, um, I guess, like, s- industries, like, like, you know, entertainment, media, so on and so forth. Uh, and you don't, you don't really see those that really trickle down um, to, like, you know, working class people so much. <laughs> I mean that, that you have had like the Republicans have tried to make every Democrat a socialist boogeyman for the last like I don't know like as long as we've lived. <laughs> um, it's, right. just, it's like uh, like everyone is sort of becoming what the others like claim of them in politics. Like you know ev- like. The right, you know, liberals had for years and like called every like Republican president like a fascist or like Hitler or whatever. And so they elected a fascist. <laughs> and so like, you know, this is what the you know, the Republicans spent like 20, 30 years calling every Democrat a socialist. So, OK, we're just going to elect a socialist. So like, yeah, there is, I think, among like I've I I work as a canvasser in one of my jobs uh, and I like I canvass I, I canvassed like uh, some local and statewide races in Virginia last year. Okay. So it's like talking to uh like I mean there's a variety of communities we engage with like you know among in, along income and racial lines uh and so when you talk to like some like middle to upper middle class white people in the suburbs like yeah they ha- like some of them have uneasiness like oh I think uh, some part of the lefts are going too far and I don't know about the socialism stuff so yeah there is a little bit of concern for those people but I think overall I don't think you look at like the way that like you know, millennials and Gen Z view socialism, it's not a scary thing to them.